Hello, and welcome to CM Conversations. I'm today's host, Joe Bacali. My role here at CM Life Science is to specialise in recruitment for the scientific instrument and food science markets across the globe. In this episode of CM Conversations, I talk to Will Melnichenko, Global Business Development Director for Digital Solutions at Mary Nooch Sciences. In my conversation with Will, we discuss what it's really like to start a new job during a pandemic, some of the challenges he faced, and the ways in which he overcame each challenge. Whether it's yourself who has started a new job, or you would just like to have a better understanding of what your new colleagues might be going through, I think there is something for everyone to take from this. I hope you enjoy listening. Hey Will, do you want to introduce yourself to everybody? Hey Joe, yeah, thank you so much. It's great to be with you today. Um, from Morris, thank you. Um, yeah, my name is Will Melnichenko. I'm the Global Business Development Director of Digital Solutions at Mary U Nutrisciences. Um, I've been in the industry, in the food safety industry, that is, um, for well over a decade. I started, started my career out in operations, and I moved from operations in a production facility into the food safety arena, um, selling diagnostic testing solutions um, all over the Midwest to a variety of industrial labs and food industry players, so big food companies that had labs. And from there, I moved into selling analytical services, so third-party testing services, and did that for a while, moved into strategic accounts that moved me down to the Southeast US from the Midwest. From strategic accounts, I actually left, um, went back into the test kit market, the diagnostic solutions market as a sales director, did that for a while, and then from there went back into laboratory services. So went from a large uh, multinational laboratory to a test kit company, to a small regional lab, and um, very glad to be back, um, kind of back where I started at, at my original third-party testing lab um, in a global role. Yeah, I mean, you would definitely have an interesting story, and it's true what they say, everything does come full, full circle. Um, but what's really exciting, I think you seem to be excelling in your current position, having started throughout a pandemic. So tell me, Will, what exactly is it like to start a new job during a global pandemic? So it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, I, I am, I feel I'm very grateful and very happy to be back, um, back working for Mary U. It's, it's a fantastic organization full of great leadership. Um, there's a great brain trust that I like to say at Mary U. So very happy to be back, but yeah, it's been, um, it was kind of, uh, I wouldn't say challenging, I guess, once in, in our industry, everyone knows each other pretty well. So if you, if you have a good reputation, thankfully I feel like I do, um, you know, friends and colleagues look out for you and, and help you kind of find find a new position. But um, for me, I was working for um, my previous employer and um, I, you know, everything was going quite well. Um, we were doing well as a company and we, you know, we were all, everything was going according to plan, but unfortunately COVID kind of um, threw a wrench in the work, so to speak. And I very suddenly found myself um, without a position they, um, due to COVID and the travel restrictions, my position was eliminated and um, it was quite jarring. So I have to say that probably was the biggest part because as someone who's always been very happy and fulfilled in all of my roles, um, it's quite jarring to kind of lose your job. It's a big blow to the ego, even if it's nothing that you did. And so, you know, and unfortunately, you know, all of us, we, we probably, most of us anyway, love what we do, but uh, 
we definitely don't uh, live to work, right? <laughs> yeah, well, and I, and I, I remember speaking with you when um, your role came to an end um, in your previous organization. Um, but speaking to you now, things are definitely, I mean, you're always a positive guy, but how did you take that emotionally and compared to where you are now? Yeah. So, I mean, again, it, you know, it's quite, it's quite jarring to lose your job again, you know, even if it wasn't through any fault of your own. And I know probably a lot of people, unfortunately, have had that experience due to the pandemic, like kind of changing the way our economy works a little bit. And I'm very glad to see it coming back, but yeah, it's quite jarring. You kind of go through your head and um, go through your mind and think about, you know, did I do something wrong? Was there something I could have done better um, that would have saved my position? Um, and it's, I think it's just human nature to, to kind of second guess like the choices you made or decisions that you made that led up to that point of your position being eliminated. But at the end of the day, um, you have to just kind of, you know, understand, swallow your pride and understand, you know, it's a business decision. It's not personal. Um, I know it's easier said than done because, you know, when you find yourself out of work suddenly when you weren't expecting it, um, you know, you have some sleepless nights, like, oh my gosh, you know, I have, I have mortgage to pay. I have, <laughs> I have bills. So, you know, that's just when you kind of have to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, and just turn that anxiety into action and just be like, all right, you know, I have good friends. I know people like, like Joe at Charlton Morris. I know, you know, great industry people, you know, that can help me out that I have great relationships with and just very calm and collectively try to make a plan for like how, you know, where you want to go and how you want to go about getting there. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that our conversations early on were, were quite helpful um, in that sense. I think, um, you know, it was really about turning that anxiety into, again, a plan of action, just making sure you weren't going to make a decision based on anxiety or based out of fear that you were going to continue forward in, in your career. You know, you weren't going to settle for a position that wasn't really of interest or wasn't really where you wanted to go just because you needed a job. So, I mean, the things you've mentioned there is you've seemed to have gone through the motions as most people would. Um, I think the key difference is you managed to identify um, what were the negative thoughts and turn them into positive thoughts. Um, do you think that's played a big part in sort of hitting the ground running with your current role with Mary Nutrisciences? Um, and the whole onboarding, um, we've not been able to actually travel and meet people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, <laughs> no one no one wants to deal with ER, right? Like everyone wants everyone <laughs> to be positive and it's really important to stay positive because, you know, everyone's kind of adjusting to the new or, you know, new environment, new, um, what do I want to say? Like the, the, you know, kind of the new normal of, of COVID and not being able to travel, not being able to meet. So again, you have to just be really strategic in your thoughts and really set out what your expectations are for each interaction you have because, you know, everyone's time is valuable. So that I think holds true from not only like interviewing and, and looking for a new position, but also when, you know, when you're fortunate enough to find a position, especially one that you love, just understanding that everyone's very pressed um, for time and everyone has a bit of fatigue, you know, we're all on, on Zoom calls day in and day out. So just making sure that you're very, um, very thoughtful about how you're using people's time that you're not just having having meetings to, to justify your existence that every every meeting has some utility and, and that there's a, an outcome after every meeting. Yeah so I mean would you say having to be proactive and use your initiative more than ever um, during the onboarding process because I know when a lot of people do start a job 
um, whether that's in a non-commercial or even a commercial setting, there'll be an element of onboarding where you'll be required to be on site or at headquarters to actually meet a lot of the team. And meeting a lot of the team can really allow you to feel like you fit in um, and understand the actual personalities and the characteristics of the people that you'll be working alongside. I mean, how did you overcome that aspect? Because I don't think from our previous conversations that you actually got to have a lot of personal contact with people. Yeah, no, not at all. I haven't, um, I haven't actually been back to um, our corporate offices since 2018, since um, I left the mirror you previously, I haven't been back. Um, so yeah, I, it was a little unique for me in that case, uh, on that front, I guess, because I did come back to a company that I had worked for previously, and I had a lot of great relationships that I was able to fall back on, um, you know, and, and rekindle with people, you know, that I never really lost contact with. And, you know, it was an excitement that, you know, there's now that I was in this new global role that we could kind of bolster each other, um, whatever, whatever different um, business unit I was interacting with, you know, to kind of give my perspectives from how that business could be bolstered internationally and then how they could also help my business domestically. Um, so that, that part, that relationship aspect um, with rejoining the company was a little bit easier for me. And I'm quite fortunate for that, I think. But in terms of, yeah, the new people on my team, and then also coming into a global role and not being able to be onboarded in person, um, I was, it, it was somewhat hard to navigate. It, it, um, I was quite fortunate in the fact that uh, my hiring manager and my um, vice president who hired me both had very clear, I think they took, took that, in, took that uh, into consideration when they were looking for a candidate during um, the pandemic, that they had very clear uh, framework that they went through. Like we had planned meetings. Um, we had a, a Google Drive file of like each topic of each meeting and different trainings that I needed to undergo to make sure I understood kind of the nuts and bolts of the everyday job. And then, you know, fortunately for me, um, pretty outgoing. So I was able to quickly, you know, make relationships, uh, both domestically and abroad, um, via zoom and, and Skype and, and Google meet, um, you know, regarding different business topics. Oh, it's interesting. You mentioned that Willa, that you are outgoing, um, because from what I, from our relationship, I think we've known each other for three or four years now. Um, and I definitely agree with you there. Um, but you are also a big advocate for, trade shows, um, which have obviously taken a hit. And there's been a lot more virtual trade trade shows. Um, and in some instances, there's not been any. So you do spend a lot of time there and you use the time to network and actually meet potential customers, um, see what the competition are doing, um, all these things. But there's also the, the mingling away from the trade show in the hotels, uh, restaurants, the bars. So how have you managed to overcome the lack of them, basically? Yeah, I mean, the mingling is the best part. <laughs> That's the best part of the trade show, um, in my opinion. Um, there's a lot that happens. You know, you have your, your planned meetings um, when you go to trade shows. That's the goal, you know, of any salesperson, like being in a sales role. You know, you want to make sure you have, you're justifying your, you know, the expense of going to the show that you can see so many customers or potential customers while you're there. But um, yeah, really the, to me, like the after hours, like when everyone's out at, you know, the different, different vendors having, um, parties or get togethers for their customers, um, meeting people that way, being introduced to people, 
um, meeting colleagues that you may not have got to meet previously or colleagues that work in adjacent parts of your company or other companies within your industry is so important. And I really don't feel like you get that because um, it's people you may have never ever spoken with um, if you just stuck to your roster of your meetings on the trade show floor. And, you know, when you look at the whole scope of the industry, it's just so important to make sure that, you know, you know what people are doing and what people are interested in hearing about. It just helps you really um, sharpen, sharpen your pencil in terms of what you bring, you know, and your value proposition to, to the market and to the industry. But um, yeah, I mean, with COVID happening and no trade shows, I know it's been for me and for many others, uh, you know, type A personalities have all been kind of going crazy that we haven't been able to see each other. I think the novelty of the Zoom calls and Zoom happy hours quickly wore off uh, early on the, in the pandemic, you know, after about April of last year, we were all like, all right, enough, like we don't want to have another, you know, there's no pleasure in, in the Zoom calls anymore <laughs> most of the time. So it's, it's really been, you know, how do you resonate? How do you make sure that the content you bring, you know, if that's something that you're putting on LinkedIn, is that something that your trade association, um, you know, I sit on a couple different boards, like, is that something that your trade association is generating genuine interest in? You don't want to just be kind of a, you know, a me too with the content you're bringing, like if someone else is already doing the similar kind of content. So it's, again, just, I think if anything, it's really been about, I think if the pandemic's taught us anything, it's about being very, um, very direct and very strategic in what you're bringing to market, just because there's so much now. I mean, there was so much noise beforehand, so many different kinds of trade shows, so many different affiliations, regional, national, multinational. Um, it's really being selective now and understanding the value of each of, of each of those organizations and what you bring to that organization as well. So I think that's really been the key is just being specific and being thoughtful about, you know, the kind of content you're bringing to make sure you know, the people you want to see the content interact with it do. Absolutely. I mean, have you attended any of the virtual conferences at all? I did early on. Um, I did early on. I attended some virtual ones and, and quite honestly, um, you know, unfortunately it was a learning curve. So a lot of them suffered, I think, because not only was, was it virtual, so lower attendance because people didn't, I don't think people saw the value again, because I think it kind of paired up with that fatigue of, you know, yet another, do I really want to sit in a, a Zoom meeting for, you know, a whole day or go to virtual trade booths the whole day? Um, so I think, you know, people didn't attend due to that. People didn't attend due to cost because there were so many cost cutting measures. I think that had a lot to do with it as well. You know, a lot of companies were like, no, we're not going to do any trade shows or spend any marketing budget this year on trade shows because it's just, you know, we don't know what's going to happen and we need to save money. Um, so, you know, when I went to a few shows, I, I thought they were a little glitchy. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy them or, or feel like I, I took much value from them. Um, regarding the two organizations that I sit on boards, um, the Florida Section IFT and the Arkansas Association of Food Protection, we, um, with Arkansas, we do our big show every September and we actually postponed the show. We didn't have it last year and we postponed it till this year, which this year will be a hybrid version in person and um, remote. And then the Florida section IFT, um, same for us. We we um, our suppliers night was the last trade show that I went to before everything stopped. That was in um, I believe the beginning of February in um, 2020. It was the last show we got to do. And um, this year we actually had our show in person um, here in Florida. We had a little bit um, less restrictions, but it was a lot of debate. Um, a lot of debate around if we were going to do it in person. 
um, you know, how, if it was going to resonate, if it was going to be off-putting to people to be in person or not. But I think that it, it took a lot of bravery for our, our organization. I'm quite proud of the, uh, our ability to have a show safely and effectively. And, and we actually um, ended up breaking even. So on, you know, in terms of like vendors coming in and, and everything like that. So um, quite proud of our section for that. So it's just been, it's been an evolution <laughs> to say the least between, you know, what we started with was all virtual. Is it even worth it? You know, what's the ROI if you want to be a vendor there to, you know, now we're starting to see some shows come back, which is quite exciting. No. And, and, and again, you're definitely shining a positive light on something that's hasn't been the norm year on year. Um, I suppose the trade shows we touched up on earlier that they can be a good way to prospect, meet customers, and therefore, in effect, a, a revenue stream. How have you overcome that? And where have you made up the revenue to ensure that you sort of still achieve your own personal goals within the company? Yeah, so that's that's a loaded question, right? So, um, I mean, I definitely think that our engagement, like one-on-one with, with prospects and targets um, has, has increased. So again, whether that's, you know, the other, the other kind of wild thing about, um, I'm sure most people in sales, you know, everyone, everyone hates cold calling, right. But you have to do it. It's a necessary evil, but when everyone were remote, you had nowhere to call, right. People were in their corporate offices and not like you have their home phone <laughs> to get a hold of them. So really stepping up the, you know, use of, of tools like LinkedIn sales navigator to be very specific and direct and, you know, what kind of, you know, what, what kind of decision maker you're looking for within organizations, um, increasing, you know, your, your own network. So if you, you know, someone who could introduce you to someone or give you a warm introduction, um, I've, I've seen a lot more of that or asking for a referral. Um, it's been huge, you know, in the industry, it's, it's big, but it's small. So any, any tools or any relationships you can leverage to help you get in contact with, um, the people you need to get in contact with, I think, um, you know, that's, uh, that's the same thing that would happen at a trade show, right? You go, go out for a beer and, and someone says, Hey, Will, have you, you know, I would like you to meet my friend or like my colleague and they introduce you. That's, I guess, as close as you can get to that um, virtually. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you've touched on the importance that, that your network has played. I mean, for anyone out there listening, how important has that proved to be, especially over the last 12 months for you? I mean, just, it, I mean, epic, <laughs> epically important. It's just, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in a, a very, what do I want to say? I'd be in, in a bad spot. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have been able to, you know, quickly find a job, um, you know, a new, and a new job that I love doing, uh, not just a job, I shouldn't say, but, you know, a, a career and upward trajectory in my career. Um, if it weren't for my network, I wouldn't have been able to be of value to any, you know, future employer or previous employer if it weren't for my network. I would just be, you know, kind of a, you know, just some sales guy. <laughs> All about um, so I mean, it's huge. I think it's, and I think it speaks to, you know, I, I've tried very hard in my in my life and my and my career and personal life to make sure you don't burn any bridges. Um, you know, to make sure you treat people with kindness and respect, even if you don't see eye to eye. It's just so important because you know, it, it, every industry seems huge until it's not. And it just takes one, one bad um, occurrence or, or, or off-putting remark that you make to, to really make people kind of frown upon you, like, you know, when you're trying to, to move around. So I think it's really important that 
you're very respectful and, and make sure that you treat people with that mutual respect that you, you feel like you deserve as well. No, I think that's amazing. And I think a lot of people um, listening will actually take that on board. Um, a lot of people may already know that and just maybe need, need, need reminding the importance of relationships, communication, and actually keep to continue growing your network. Um, just sort of following on from trade shows, um, which does require travel, but I know you do travel a lot. Um, how have you managed to cope with sort of being homebound so much rather than sort of traveling across the US every few times a week? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. So at the beginning of my career, when I worked in operations, you know, I, I woke up every morning at about four o'clock every morning, you know, got up, had my coffee, ate, drove in my car about 18 miles um, to the south side of Chicago to work in a factory. And I worked in the factory and that was my, and then, you know, commute home, pack, you know, pack my lunch, eat my lunch at work, do my job, commute home in traffic. It was very standardized, right? Every day was pretty much the same, um, you know, meetings and, and things would be different, but it, every day was basically the same. And that was kind of what drove me crazy about working in operations. I was like, I don't think I can do this for the next, you know, 40 years of my life. I just, it's too, it's too routine for me. I really needed to be varied. So for me, the travel aspect of my job is just so important. It's kind of, you know, variety is the zest, right? Of life, as they say, like, I just, I need that to thrive. So in the beginning of not traveling um, and being homebound was very hard on me. I did take a toll on me kind of mentally. I was like, man, this, because it's the same thing, right? We get up, we do our Zoom meetings, you do your Google meet, you're doing your prospecting, you're doing your business, you know, your follow-up and things like that that you need to do. But, you know, you're, you're, you're not in front of customers. You're not getting to have those interactions that we enjoy. You're not getting to try, you know, new places to eat or see new scenery or flying out of new cities. Um, so it's real hard. So for me, you know, it, it kind of started to be like, all right, I need to come up with a routine for myself, you know, that's enriching for me. Um, so for me, it, I really started to focus more on, you know, making sure I go to the gym every morning. So after, you know, I'm sitting, sitting in my desk all day with my different meetings that I'm not feeling completely just, you know, blanked out. Like it woke me up every morning to go to the gym. Um, I volunteered, um, especially when I was out of work for the few weeks I was out of work. I was like, well, I can't just sit here and, and worry between interviews about if I'm going to find something new. So I volunteered at my local food bank. Um, it was a drive-through food bank. I really enjoyed that. There was, um, I usually worked, volunteered multiple days in four hour shifts. It was outside. We were loading people's cars with food. And not only was that enriching to serve my community, but also very cool because there was different people from all aspects of life there. There was retirees, there was, you know, university students who needed to, to do their volunteer requirement. There was people like me who were just out of work were like, you know, I, I want to do something. I want to be helpful and productive, even though I don't have a, a job to go to right now. Um, so I, I focused on that and, and that was quite enriching. And um, yeah, and then, you know, I, I think everyone can, probably got into a little bit of DIY, like doing stuff around the house, <laughs> some painting, some fixing up of different, different rooms of the house and reorganizing. So did a lot of that too, but um, yeah, it's really how I've made it through, I think. And, you know, fortunately I live in a beautiful place. I live in Florida. So we have the outdoors always here. Yeah. So I, su I suppose your 18 mile commute um, to the factory in Chicago is a lot different to anywhere you commute to now where you live. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's uh no commute, you know, no commute needed when you're just virtual. So, so 
I think just just rounding that point off, I think you mentioned other than the positivity and sort of digesting exactly the situation and trying to make the best out of it. You touched on their routine, whether that's going to the gym, um, having some structure with waking up and actually starting um, your job. Are they the fundamentals that um, you would advocate um, to others if they're not doing it to sort of start doing it to help them cope with sort of being grounded if they're used to traveling so much? Yeah, I mean, for I would highly suggest it. And I mean, I think the other thing too that I didn't mention is just making boundaries because I think the easy thing to do with being stuck at home is just to work more. Um, you know, we all, especially early on, I think had a lot of anxiety about, you know, am I going to lose my job? How can I, if I overperform, you know, am I going to insulate myself from any risk of losing my job? So yeah, making that routine and, and setting boundaries, you know, block out your calendar if you need to, like, don't take those meetings between eight and nine, like stay on your nine to five schedule, you know, if that's what you're used to, you know, for those of us who travel quite often, you know, usually Monday was your travel day. So, you know, you just might not be in the mental space to dig into like really intense topics on Monday morning. And, and you should feel, I think, empowered to say, hey, you know, this is just not a good time for me to have this discussion. Like we should do this later in the day or later in the week. Um, I know I have encouraged my team in that way um, to, to say, you know, this isn't good for me. Like take your time off, set your boundaries. Don't work. <laughs> if you don't have to, don't work past five. You know, there's nothing. I know everyone is, you know, stressed and everything seems very urgent right now, but it's, you know, it's important to make sure that you're, you're keeping your boundaries. No, I, I think as well, just to sort of, again, to round that point off is it sounds like you've tried to keep your work and personal life as normal as possible in terms of the times and the amount of energy that you allow your job to consume um, because having that balance, it appears has proved important for you. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it's, again, it's supremely important just, you know, for, for, for my mental health, at least, you know, I'm sure others could attest to it as well. Just, it's so important that you, you know, otherwise if you, if you're overworking yourself every day and you, you really don't have to me, if you don't have any semblance of a routine and you're, you're burning yourself out, then you're just really not going to be of much value. You know, you're not going to add insight into any big project you're working on. You're probably not going to be super cheerful to talk to or be around because um, you're just burnt out. You're tired. So it's important that you recognize, you know, when you're feeling that way and feeling fatigued that, you know, you, you do something for yourself to keep yourself happy and engaged in what you're working on. Yeah, no, that's, that's I think you make some very good points there. Um, I suppose this next question I've got, I'm hoping um, is very interesting. But as you look back across the last nine to 12 months, do you think you've gained more out of this experience being in a pandemic than you would if there wasn't a pandemic? I uh, I do. I do think that the pandemic has actually been beneficial for me. Um, and, I, and I can say that truthfully. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy. You know, every kind of progression in my career I've made, I've, I, I think I've taken some risk. You know, I left, I left an established, a fantastic established global company to join a startup that um, was just starting because of the, you know, different hats I get to wear and experience I'd have there. Um, I left that company for a, a new position, um, again, for much the same reason, like they were a more established company after leaving the startup, um, but they were looking to grow in much the same way a startup was. So I got to wear a lot of hats and offer a lot of expertise, um, you know, that I've picked up in my career, my career path. So, um, and I was quite happy in doing that, um, you know, before the, my position had was eliminated. Um, but I have to say that although it was eliminated as jarring as that was, 
you know, it has enabled me to continue my progression to say, okay, you know, I've done that. I've done this. This is the experience I picked up over here. And for me, um, finding myself in a global role, it's just continued my trajectory of, you know, where I want to go in my career and really opened a lot of doors for me to, to see that, you know, maybe I was limiting myself, maybe my opportunities, you know, I was, maybe I was having a bit of imposter syndrome or limiting my opportunities or what I'd consider opportunities for myself based on my previous experience. And, and honestly, with the pandemic kind of removing those barriers and, and, you know, I needed to find a new career, a new job. Um, I was open to really hearing any opportunity. It didn't, it didn't quite matter to me what the title was or, you know, what the, the job definition was, if it sounded interesting, I was, I was there to hear more. So I think the pandemic definitely helped me get to that mental space. I probably wouldn't have got there myself if I wasn't forced into it. No, that's interesting. Throughout, sort of, if we look at the halfway stage of the last sort of nine to twelve months, is had has it always been such a positive view, or is that just on reflection? Now we can sort of see some light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccinations being rolled out. I suppose. Well, I mean, any any position comes with challenges for sure. Um, you know, and it's and sometimes again, you know, I think that imposter syndrome can creep in, um, and it's easy to have anxiety with. An ongoing global pandemic. So, uh, I mean, I'd say 90% of the time it was very positive, maybe 10% of the time that it wasn't was probably just my, you know, my own ghost haunting me. Like, well, you know, again, when you, you know, you lose your job or something, there's just, you, you have to exercise that ghost. You have to get rid of it. If it, especially if it wasn't anything that you did, you know, you just have to be like, all right, <laughs> that was that. And I'm not, you can't let that past experience overshadow what you have in front of you. No, I, t- I totally agree. Would you also say that moving forward, your career goals may have shifted or um, increased as to where you think you can get to? Yeah, I, I would say yes to both of those questions. So I definitely learned what I don't want to do, <laughs> what I don't want to be stuck doing. You know, um, there are certain positions that I think that, you know, many people aspire to, you know, different levels of, of, on the corporate ladder that you think I'd, I'd really like to do that. But then, you know, when you get you know, you get to have a taste of doing some of that work or, or you see like, you know, potentially how grilling that could be. It, it kind of changes your perspective a little bit like, okay, you know, maybe I do still want to do that position, but maybe not in this industry, or maybe I'd want to do that. You know, maybe I'd want to do like a, a slightly different position or it, it, it teaches you about, you know, how big of a team do you want to manage? Um, how small of a company do you want to work for? You know, what, you know, it, it's definitely tempered my um, thoughts on, you know, work-life balance, like we had just spoke about previously and, and kind of what I believe is, is a proper work-life balance, depending on what role you have. No, I, I think you really um, make some valid points again, Will. I suppose to sort of add some value to others out there listening is what would be the sort of main advice you would give to anybody that has either started a new job um, during the pandemic or is set to start um, a new job um, while we're still very much involved in the pandemic, what would be the best advice that you give to somebody? My best advice would be, you know, focus on the positives and and roll with the punches. You just, every day is going to be different and you might have an idea in your mind about how certain interactions are, are going to go or certain how, you know, you're going to get to certain outcomes and and that may not be the case. So, you know, don't be opposed or get bogged down by changes or, um, 
you know, diversions in, in your plan uh, or, you know, to your plan. <laughs> so I just say, focus on the positive, you know, at the end of the day, you know, kind of count your blessings. Like you have a job, you know, do you like your coworkers? You know, are you doing what you want to do? How are you enriching your coworkers' lives, your company, um, the industry? I think those are all important things to think about at the end of the day, even if you've had a rough day um, and you didn't get to where you wanted to be, it's, there's always tomorrow. No, I think, and I think there's no better way to sort of wrap up the podcast than to keep it on a positive note, um, as always with you, Will. Um, so thank you so much for the insight that you've given us on your own experience. Are there any sort of final words or things that you'd like to add on any of the topics that we've spoken about? Uh, no, I, I just want to say thank you so much again for having me. It's been a real pleasure. I've, I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, it's always great speaking with you, Joe. And um, yeah, I guess the, the, only, the only shameless plug I would have is if, if we're not connected on LinkedIn, I do love to have the network expand. So please feel free to add me there. Thank you, Will. You've been great. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Talk to you soon. So that was my CM conversation with Will Melnichenko, Global Business Development Director for Digital Solutions at Merrill Nooch Sciences. I'd like to thank Will for his time and insight he gave. I hope anyone else out there who has started a new job during this pandemic can normalize their experiences and emotions that come along with it and really see the positives to this crazy time. If you would like to listen, read, or watch any more of my content focused around scientific instruments or food science markets, then please go to searchinglifescience.com. And for more podcasts like this about the markets, Charlton Morris Serve, please subscribe to CM Conversations. Thank you for listening. I've been your host, Joe Bacali. Bye for now. <laughs>